Romans 8, verse 12 and 13. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at two verses, okay? And um, these two verses, to some degree, are kind of the culmination of really chapters 6 and 7 and the beginning of 8, okay? We're going to switch gears next week. But we've been talking a lot about, since Romans 6, about how do you live the Christian life? Like, what's the nuts and bolts? How do I stop sinning and, and start obeying Jesus, Okay? Man, this, this really kind of brings everything to a head. So I, I like these two verses, and uh, we're not going to go very far as far as verse-wise. We're just going to look at two, but we're going to go over them several different ways because uh, really I, I think this is incredibly useful. I think this is one of these. It is in my life. This, what I'm about to tell you is the way that I think about my Christian life. It's the way that I think about how not to sin and how to love Jesus and how to live righteously um, these are kind of really handles in my own life. So um, this is a cool sermon for me just because it, it, I use it. I use it a bunch, all right? So Romans 8, verses 12 and 13. In this service, lots of folks like to stand. So let's go ahead and stand. We're going to read uh, from God's Word just two verses, okay? <clears throat> folks like to stand in this service, and folks like to sleep. And so standing will be good for us. That's what I'm just thinking. So then, brothers... We are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Uh, God, there is no greater gift. Father, thank you for giving us of your Spirit for living inside of us. Lord, I I pray that that reality of the indwelling Holy Spirit would just overwhelm us with a sense of confidence in our own Christian life, a sense of security, a sense of hope. Father, I pray that you would help us to recognize the call of the sinful flesh within us. And God, I pray that you would enable us to put it to death, to kill it, to be ruthless. Father, please use these words, use this passage in sanctifying us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul begins here in verse 12 by saying, you don't owe anything to the flesh. Okay, so notice that, verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, and then there's a very key word, not. Okay, not to the flesh. What is Paul saying there? Paul is essentially saying you don't owe the flesh anyway, anything. You're not in any way obligated to your unredeemed humanness. Now let's back up a little bit. Some of you may be new and so you haven't been through chapter 6 and 7 and so you're like, I'm not sure what he's talking about there. Okay, your flesh is your, your, your unredeemed humanness, your inclination towards sin, okay? Romans chapter 5 tells us that Adam, the first man, when he was in the garden, you know, he said, hey, you know what? God said this, but that snake over there said this. I think I trust the snake more than I trust God. I think the snake knows what's best more than God does, so I'm going to listen to him. When he did, he fell, okay? But when he fell, guess what? You were chained to him. That's Romans 5. We all dumped into, into fallenness and into sin and into death and into grave and into hell, okay? So we all, he pulled us all down, okay? Now, if you're a believer here today, if, if you come to a point in your life where you turn away from your sin and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, here's what tr- what's true of you. You now are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Once you had faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit 
third member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, came to live inside of you, okay? Now, what that practically means is now there is a war, all right? Remember, that was, that was Romans 7. Now there's a war. Why is there a war? Because your, your old, unredeemed flesh, that sinful nature that you have, is, is wanting, pulling you, inclining you towards sin, and the Holy Spirit is pulling you, inclining you toward righteousness. And so we have a, we have a conflict within every believer, not unbelievers, but every believer, there is that conflict. And that's why Paul says in verse 15, I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Verse 19, for I do not do the good that I want, but evil, the evil... I do not want is what I keep on doing. Paul is, is conflicted because the Holy Spirit is revealing truth to him. He's pulling him toward righteousness. He's giving him victory. But when he slips up, when he falls, then he feels that, that, that misery, that conviction of the Holy Spirit as, as the war is waging within him. Now, Paul says here in verse 12, we are not debtors to the flesh. Okay, now why does he use that term, debtors? He uses that term because if you'll think about it, we are prone to think that we ought to listen to the flesh. We are. How, how do I know that? Because we sin, right? Every time we sin, it's because the flesh pitched an idea to us, right? It's like, hey, you know, you ought to say that. I can't believe that person did that. You ought to say that. And when you sin, what do you do? You're like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, you, you know what? I'll listen to you, okay? And Paul is saying, don't listen to the flesh, you, you, you have no obligation. You have no responsibility. The flesh has never done anything for you. Why would you listen to the flesh? You are not a debtor to the flesh. Now, let me try to give an illustration, okay, that will help us understand, I think, what he's talking about here. Yesterday, I'm going through McDonald's, going through the drive-thru, going to get my family some food before I go to a Bible study, and I get up to the window to pay, and the lady says, you don't know anything. I said, what? You know, she says, you know, I think the person in front of you bought your meal. And so I look up in front of me and I'm looking in their little rearview mirror and I'm like, it's a lady. I, I, not, not familiar to me. The car's not familiar to me. I don't know who it was. And, and, and about the time I got up there, she took off with her food and she went around the corner and she, she waved. And I waved. Thank you. You know, but she's like clear on the street. But I, I don't to this day, I do not know who it was. Somebody bought our whole family. That's a big deal, right? Our whole family uh, meal at McDonald's. And, and all I know is that she drove a red Isuzu Trooper. Okay. But automatically, I feel somewhat of a kinship with her. Like, like I don't know her. You know, I don't know her at all, but I feel like she's a good lady. You know, I mean, if you'll buy dinner for that many people, you're probably a good lady, right? I mean, you know, so I mean, automatically she kind of has my favor, right? To some degree, you might say I'm in debt to her. Not, not in the sense that I feel like I got, I need, got to pay her back. However, I did feel that way, you know. I looked for her vehicle on the way home thinking I need to do something nice for her, right? But I didn't see it. So I, I don't know. It read Isuzu Trooper. That's all I know. Okay, now keep that in your mind. Now let's just say today, as I gather my family after this service and we're going to go somewhere, let's say we're driving down, down uh, the street here and we get up to the stop, we get up to a four-way stop, maybe over on 15th and, and we're there at the four-way stop and we stop and we start to go and here comes a green Ford F-150 pickup. Just And by the way, the only reason I use a green Ford F-150 pickup is I don't know anybody who has that pickup, okay? So if, if you have one, don't the whole sermon think, he's talking to me, he's talking to me. I'm not talking to you. I've tried to pick something I don't know, okay? So anyway, green F-150 Ford pickup comes barreling through the intersection, runs a stop sign. We have to slam on the brakes, barely have a collision. There he goes, okay? Now I'm liable to be a little grumpy, right? I'm liable to say, 
man, be careful. What are you doing? That's a stop sign. Can't you see, right? I mean, we're liable to say something like that, okay? Now, let's change the illustration. Same thing. Going with my family, hit that four-way stop. We stop all the way. We're about to go. Here comes a red Isuzu trooper barreling through there, right? Urch, you know, about missing. What do I do then? Hey, you know, right? Right? You know, I'm like, it's okay. You know, that's a hard stop, you know. They shouldn't put that tree there. The city needs to do something. That's a bad intersection, right? Like, I give her a pass. Why did I give her a pass? Because I feel, like, obligated. I feel in debt a little bit. To, like, I, I assume that, you know, she's a nice lady. Hey, I, we ought to give her a pass. Okay, and so, so what Paul is saying is, don't give the flesh a pass. Why in the world would you listen to your unredeemed flesh why, why would you answer the phone when it calls? Why, why would you be inclined to obey your flesh? Don't give it a pass. Now, the illustration needs to be tweaked. An illustration is never a perfect example of a scriptural truth. We're just kind of trying to help us, ourselves understand it. So as, as you think about this, you think, you know what? We need to make this more accurate. If we're talking about we have no debt to listen to our flesh. We need to, we need to make this illustration different, okay? So here's how we're going to make it different, okay? Same scenario, except this time, guess what? Over the last month, that green Ford F-150 pickup has run that stop sign 20 times and almost killed me. 20 times in the last month. We keep meeting there. He barrels through back, kills me 20 times. And not only that, but, but I was at 9th in, in Oklahoma, and he rear-ended me right in front of Walgreens, crashed into the back of my vehicle, and took off. Not only that, but my wife was out at Walmart, and she's pushing her groceries and the kids, and the F-150 green Ford pickup comes and sideswipes our vehicle. Not only that, but, we, but some guys and I were riding out south of town, and here comes the F-150 Ford green pickup. Do you see why this is bad if you had one? This, I'm not, I don't know that you have one. So we're riding our bicycles. It runs us off the road. We've all got to take the ditch back. Kills us all. Not only that, but my kids are playing out in the front yard. We're shooting baskets, and our cat moose is on the curb. And here comes a green F-150 Ford pickup, comes up in the grass, and mows down our cat moose right in front of everybody. Now, now, with all that history, here we go again. I'm leaving church. We get to the four-way stop. We stop. Here comes a Ford F-150 green pickup runs a stop sign about to hit. Do we give it any pass at all? What do we do? Man, we're, that's sorry. He know he runs that every time. He's a killer. What in the world? He shouldn't have a license. Call the police, right? Right, that's what we would do. Some of you, you'd get out your handgun. And let me just stop right now. Stop right now and tell you, you do not have permission to have vigilante justice, Okay. But that's what some of you would do. I know you. I wouldn't want to be that guy. You'd have done shot him. Now, doesn't that make this a little better? Doesn't that make the, you know, why, why does that make the illustration a little better? You know why that makes the illustration better? I want you to think of one time in your entire life that the flesh has ever done anything good for you. One time. That's all I'm asking. 
Okay? Now, I'm asking believers here, okay? I'm not asking unbelievers, because there's probably unbelievers who would say, you bet, man. One guy crossed me, and I, I showed him who was boss. I beat him to a pulp, and I, I stood over him and exalted myself and showed him that, that he's never going to mess with me, and then I kicked him and walked. Yeah, I can see a lost guy doing that, you know, and not feeling bad about it at all. But I'm asking believers, I'm asking born-again believers here today, has the flesh ever tempted you, and you said yes, and you were ever, ever blessed by that? It's never blessed you. It's never led you in the right direction. Ever, ever, ever. Can you ever think of a time, Christian, when, when you felt disrespected, maybe by your spouse, and so all of a sudden, you know, all these things are going through your mind, all the things they've done wrong, and all the things you do for them, and you're like, all right. Flesh is like, hey, can I have control of your mouth? You're like, yes, you can. You know, I, I'm going to let you speak, you know, and so you speak, and you, you listen, you know, you did this, and 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 you did this. Here's all the ways you failed me, and here's all the ways that I, I've done good, and that went real well, didn't it, right? That promoted harmony in your family, and, and your spouse was just like, honey, I love you so much. Come here, you know. Our fa- no, that's not what happened. Ever, 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 the flesh has never done anything good for you. And so when it speaks, why do you listen? Why? That's a great question, isn't it? Why do we fall into it time and time again when all it brings us as a believer is misery and pain? Why? Why would, why would we exalt ourselves when it tempts us to? Why, why when it calls and, and tells us to break God's command? Why would we listen to it? So you see what Paul is saying here in verse 12? So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. You don't owe the flesh anything. Do you owe the Spirit? Why, yes. Now, if you're a believer here, let me ask you this. What's the Spirit ever done for you? Well, how about this? You were dead in your trespasses and sin, and he made you alive. He turned the light on inside of you. He tethered you. He joined you to Jesus Christ. The Jesus who took your sins bulging with hell and deserving judgment and damnation. The Jesus who took those sins upon himself so that you would never ever know the awful wrath of God. The Spirit of God connected you to that Jesus. The Spirit of God drew you to Christ. He opened your eyes to see, convicts you of sin. He leads you to righteousness through the work of the Spirit. You do any good thing, any good thing you do, it's because of the work of the Spirit. Whenever you bear the fruit of the Spirit, if there's any love in your life, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, any, any genuinely fruit of the Spirit, it's because the Spirit did that. He has been relentless, relentlessly consistent in doing good things in your life. And so why would you feel an obligation when he calls to say yes. And he's going to call. Have you noticed that the flesh will be relentless in its urgency? You ever notice that? Like, like when, when, it, when it pitches sin to you, when it, when it offers sin, it doesn't just say, hey, you know what? Here's an option. No. It's urgency, isn't it? You need, you deserve. By the way, anytime I hear you deserve in my mind, I automatically think it's the flesh. I mean, I just jump right to there. Because I, I, don't, I don't think the Holy Spirit says that. You deserve. You deserve to get back. You deserve to. You deserve. You oughta. And he's going to be relentless. So when he, call, when he calls, should you let him even speak? Whenever my wife calls me, 
I almost always answer. There are a few exceptions. You know, there have been times when I've been in just a counseling session, everything's falling apart. You know, I got, I think they're going to kill each other, you know, and maybe she'll call and I'll, I'll text her back real quick. Hey, busy, um, call you right back. You know, text me if it's something urgent. Okay, but in general, if it's her, I answer. Why? Well, I feel obligated. I feel a sense of debt. I feel a responsibility. She's blessed me for decades. She's invested in my life for decades. She cares for my children, the most precious things to me. Why wouldn't I? Right? So, Emma Dirks comes up on the ID. Hey, I think I better answer that. Jamaica comes up on the ID. I don't answer. I mean, I just don't even answer. Why? Why don't I answer? I only know one guy in Jamaica. One. That's all. One guy in the entire island is all I know. And he's a telemarketer guy that called me a few years back and tried to pitch me something. And I happened to be driving, so I listened and got a whole spiel. And it was terrible. I think it was a scam. And, and when, he, when he got done, I say, hey, you know, I appreciate you telling me about this, but let me tell you about Jesus. I want, I want, I want to, you know, he got real mad about that, and he uh, threatened to kill me. He said, I'm going to come over. I said, I know where you live. I got your number. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. You know, he just said, you know, that's the only guy I know in Jamaica. And so whenever I see Jamaica on the caller ID, I don't even feel like, like, like I'm never like, should I or should I not? No, I'm not answering. Right? So if you go to Jamaica and you try to call me, don't expect me to answer. You better tell me that you're going to call beforehand, all right? Because I'm not going to answer. But the flesh is going to call you. It's already called today, hasn't it? It's going to be relentless, offering you sinful pleasures. Man, it is, it is so adamant that it offer you ways to boost your ego. To exalt yourself. It's going gonna, it's gonna to offer you way after way, thing after thing that's supposed to make you look awesome compared to others, exalt you above others. It's going to offer you selfish gratification and lazy comforts. It's going to offer you self-pity. It's going gonna, it's gonna to offer you way. It's going to say, hey, let, let me have control of the body. Because I want to posture, you know, you, you worked real hard and nobody realizes it and you did the dishes and nobody said thank you. So, hey, give me the body and I'm going to slump, you know. I, so I, I want to control the body so that I can make sure everybody knows that I'm a martyr. And I'm, I, you know, you're lucky to have, I mean, it's going to be relentless to demand things of you. Revenge, self-appointed justice, sexual gratification. It, it's going to call and call and call for sexual gratification. Outside of marriage, power, money, status, idols. It will demand those things with an urgency and with a justification that is incredibly convincing, which is why you must not answer. And we must be honest. It's not like we haven't seen it coming. We ought to, if we've been Christian very long, we ought, we ought, we ought to be able to see that coming. And, and we ought to know this. Okay, look at verse 13 again. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. And what's Paul mean there? He means you'll die. All right, so let's play this out. If in your life, the flesh calls, 
self-exaltation, idols, sexual gratification outside of marriage, revenge, take what's not yours, and you answer, 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 you're headed to death. Where's that going to lead? It's going to lead to death. You're spiritually dead, and you'll die physically one of these days, and when you do, you'll die eternally, forever separated from God. And Paul is saying, if you have a lifestyle of answering the flesh, and the flesh controls you, you know what that means? It means you don't have the Spirit. You don't have the Holy Spirit. Remember, remember 1 John 3? We've been looking at several times in the last month or so. What does it say over and over again? A believer cannot live a lifestyle of sin. Okay, you can't. Now, what about someone with the Holy Spirit? Can, can he go that direction? Yes. That's, remember the conflict, Romans 7? Remember, we have, we have the Holy Spirit, but we also have the flesh. And so what happens when the flesh calls to a believer? Well, hopefully he, he obeys the Spirit, but sometimes he doesn't. And so, so where does that lead him? Well, it leads him down toward death. Okay, now, now hold on. Are we saying that a born-again believer can lose his salvation? So if you're truly a believer, if the Holy Spirit's in you, can you go down this path and you're going to end in death? No. You know why no? Because God won't let you, okay? The Holy Spirit will jerk you around. He will bring misery. He will bring conviction. He, he will bring the Word of God. He'll bring a friend. He'll bring a small group. He'll bring a song. He'll bring something to turn you around, to bring conviction in your life, to discipline you. Or 1 Corinthians 11 says, He'll take you out of the world. But He will not let you live continually according to the flesh. But when you turn that way and you start down that path, what he says is true. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. You're headed toward death. And you're going to experience, let's, just, let's use a biblical word, word, corruption. Okay, where do I get that? Go to Galatians. This is an important passage for us to understand this. Okay, go to Galatians chapter 6. If you remember, chapter 5 is teaching the same thing that Romans 7 and 8 is teaching, okay? So chapter 5, verse 16, walk by the Spirit, you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh, spirit flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, desires of the Spirit against flesh. You just oppose to each other to keep from doing what, what you want. You need to be led by the Spirit, and then it has the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the flesh. All that's right there in 5. In chapter 6, it says this, for the one who sows to his own flesh, what is that? The flesh calls, says, hey, you need to do this. You should do this. You deserve this. You answer. You are sowing to the flesh. And where does that lead? Are you seeing it there? For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. And we've talked about that word corruption a lot for a long time. I've actually probably, I've talked to people about corruption on almost every mission trip I've ever gone. So I've talked about this in India, Thailand, everywhere. It's, it's a vivid word. It's a word that means going from better to worse. It's decaying, okay? So what I'm saying is, when you live in this direction, when you listen to the flesh, your, your spiritual life's going better to worse. Your emotional life's going better to worse. Your, your physical life's going better to worse because you're living according to the flesh. You're corrupting. The illustration we always use is you make an awesome meatloaf. I mean, it is delicious. Don't use this in India, though, because they don't, they're meatloaf, what? You know, anyway, in America, it makes sense, okay? Great meatloaf, 
and you're, it's delicious, you only eat half of it, you wrap the other half up, put it in the fridge, I'm going to eat that tomorrow at lunch. The next day at lunch, you go somewhere else, you don't go home, you don't eat your meatloaf, you forget about it. One month goes by, two months goes Three, how long before you clean the fridge, folks, huh? What is that thing in the back there, Mom? You pull it out. It's not meatloaf anymore, is it, right? Something has happened, and it's not something good. It didn't get better. It got worse. And that's what's going to happen when you live in the flesh. And so that's what Paul is saying here in Romans 8. If you live according to the flesh, you will die, okay? If, if your entire life is in the flesh, you're going to die forever. You're going to die in the eternal torment of God Almighty. If you're a believer and you're in the Holy Spirit, he's going to turn you around. He's going to jerk you back. He won't let you stay there. But realize this, while you're there, you're experiencing corruption. While you're there, you're going from better to worse. While you're there, you're experiencing the consequences of sin. Now, the other side of that, verse 13, okay, Romans 8, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so what we're about to discuss is life, okay? This is one of these helpful little handles for me, okay? Life, all right? Death and life. You know what happens a lot of times when I'm tempted? Okay, I'm tempted by, by something by the flesh, and, and I'll, I'll just say it out loud, man, that's, that's death. That will not bring me life. That will not bring me joy. That will not bring me happiness. That will not, it will not do me good. That, that, that is death. That direction is death. For me to say yes to the flesh and give the flesh control is death. But for me to say yes to the Spirit, and sometimes the Spirit asks for hard things. You know, Jason, I want you to go make amends. It's hard. I want you to humble yourself. But it leads to life. I want you to lay down your desires. I want you to put that person's good in front. It's life. It's life. That's what you got to tell yourself. It's not death. It's life. It'll end in life, right? Where does that direction end? Well, it, that direction shows that you got the Holy Spirit in you. If you got the Holy Spirit in you, that means you're tethered to Jesus. If you're tethered to Jesus, that means you cannot ever die. We sang that great song before the throne of God this morning in the first service. And man, I, I love that line. One with himself, I cannot die. I told them, I said, put that on my tombstone, you know? I've told the kids so many, put that on my tombstone. It's gonna be all full, so I don't know if they'll remember. So if you go by my tombstone and you read down there and it does not say one with himself, I cannot die, get your Sharpie out, get a piece of paper, tape, put it on there. One with himself, I cannot die. That's the Spirit. Okay, so by the Spirit, back in verse 13, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live. All right, church, what do we need to do here? This is practical stuff. What do you got to do? Put to death the deeds of the body. Okay, so first of all, we talked about not answering. That's, that's really good. You can stop it there. But now Paul's saying, not only do you not answer, you kill. You kill it. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and violent men take it by force. That's not talking about you going and killing your neighbor because they're a pagan. That's talking about you killing your own sin. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against... So you're in a war. How about this one? Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. 
If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Does Jesus really want you to take a saw and, and saw off your hand and take an ice pick and pluck out your eye? I don't believe he does. Why? Because sin is in the heart. I think what he's saying here is you got to be ruthless in killing your sin. Galatians chapter 5, 24 and 25. Crucify the flesh. Crucify it. What is it to crucify something? You know. How they crucified Jesus? They beat him and pummeled him and, and whipped him and tore the flesh off his back and then hung him on a cross to stuff it. You got to do that to your flesh, your old, unredeemed humanness, that sinful inclination. Folks, you know why this is important? Because nobody ever committed manslaughter of the flesh. That does not happen. You know what manslaughter is, right? It's when you kill somebody you don't mean to, right? You're driving down the road, and you're going somewhere happy as can be, and you're texting. Should not do that, right? And you, you swerve. You don't realize you're swerving, and you hit somebody, and you kill them. You didn't intend to. You didn't have malice against them. You didn't want them to die, but it, it's your fault, but you didn't murder them, okay? Nobody ever commits spiritual manslaughter. No, no, this, that never happened. Nobody ever comes to church one day and is like, you know what? I have completely conquered sin and I didn't even mean to. It just happened. I was driving along and I just did it, you know? No. No, 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 no. You got to kill it. You got to identify it and name it and go after it. And you got to grab it by the throat and you got to choke it down and you got to kill it. Your sin, not other people's sin, okay? Please don't go the wrong direction. I, I shouldn't even have to say that, but somebody will probably leave here and they'll say, honey, did you hear that sermon? I got some sins we need to kill in you, all right? I hate this, you know. <laughs> you're supposed to love other people and you're supposed to be patient with them and you're supposed to cover their sin and you're supposed to lead them to Christ, okay? But your own sin you got to be ruthless. And, and to be ruthless means you got to hate it. Psalm 97.10 says this. It says, Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. Hate it. Hate it. The, the more you love the Lord, that, th those two go together. You who love the Lord, hate evil. The more you love Jesus, the more you see His glory, the more you see His fantastic nature, the more you are going to hate the rancid, putrid nature of your own sin. And the result of that is you'll stop protecting it. You'll stop coddling it. You'll stop justifying it. You see, we won't ever, we won't ever get sanctification as long as we're doing that. As long as when the flesh calls, you're like, well, this is okay. It's okay in this situation. It's okay because of, of, of what I'm going through. It's okay because of you know, what I have to deal with. It's okay because so-and-so does this. It's okay. No, you will never have sanctification that way. It's only when you are angry at your own sin, your own sin. I was reading John MacArthur and he quoted one of the old guys, I think it's Baxter maybe. He's talking to preachers and, and he say, man, you know, sometimes we talk a talk about sin, but then we don't feel the same way when it's our own sin. He says this, if sin be evil, why do you live in it? If it be not evil, why do you dissuade men from it? 
If it be dangerous, how dare you venture on it? If it not be, why do you tell men so? If God's threatenings be true, then why do you not fear them? If they be false, then why do you needlessly trouble men with them and put them into such frights without a cause? Do you not know that the judgment of God, that they who commit such things are worthy of death, yet will you do them? He's saying it's not enough to talk about hating our sin. We gotta hate our sin. How are we gonna kill it? Verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. By the Spirit. It is, it is by the indwelling Spirit of God. Now, let's go back to last week. Okay, what did, what did we learn last week? We're indwelt by the Spirit of God. Every Christian is. And verse 5 tells us, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. How is the Holy Spirit going to enable us to say no to the flesh? He's going to show us again and again and again and again and again and again the greatness of Jesus, the satisfying nature of Jesus, the dependability of the Word of God. Remember, those are the two things. What's the Spirit desire? To glorify Jesus and to give us His Word. And, and so the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, is going to open our, our eyes again and again to the greatness and the glory of Jesus. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to give us power to not answer the phone call when sin calls. Okay, when it rings in your mind, you're going to see on the caller ID, old, unredeemed humanness, flesh, it's calling. It wants revenge. It wants sexual morality. It wants sensuality. It wants, it wants, to, it's one wants me to lie so I don't get in trouble. And you're going to say, man, I know who you are, and I know who Jesus is, and I say no. The Spirit of God's going to do that. We all have these milestones in our life. I've told this one over and over again, but it's such an important time in my life. It was 10, 15 years ago. I was out in front of the nursery window, kind of right over there on the sidewalk toward the, the end of our building. We used to park our buses there. We don't anymore, but we used to. And I'd kind of stand there because I was kind of separated from the street. And I'm outside and I'm reading my Bible. I'm kind of walking back and forth. I'm reading Psalm 16. And I come to that last verse. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit just gripped me. Gripped me. What he said in my heart was, Jason, that's what you want. You want fullness of joy. That's what you're after. You want pleasures forevermore. That's in Christ's presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. Oh, God, that's what you want. I mean, it just hit home. God, that's what you want to give me. You, you, everything you're asking me to do is to give me fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. I can't tell you what a weapon that has been against sin. When sin calls and offers me this other junk, and it's done it time and time and time and time again. And all it leads is the misery. But it, but it offers it in a very convincing way. I'm able to grab Psalm 1611 and say, let me tell you, there's no joy in that. There's no pleasure in that. It's only in Christ. I want Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's going to reveal that. I was reading a sermon by Tim Keller on this passage. And Tim Keller he said, you know, not only does the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus and the greatness of Jesus through the Word of God, but he does so, so through nature and art and stories and books and movies and lots of other different ways. And I was kind of like, huh? 
you know? And then he gave a bunch of examples, okay? He would say, in this book where so-and-so happens, you know, wow, the glory of Jesus, I saw it there, and it just gripped me, and this movie, and this book, I had never heard of any of them, okay? Uh, Tim Keller lives in New York City, and evidently he lives in a different world than me, because I did not know one of his illustrations, not one of them, you know? And, and, and so, but I started thinking about that concept, and I was like, man, does, does God work that way? He absolutely does. Oh, man, the, the thing that, the immediate thing that came to my mind was the Wing Feather series. I read that to my kids, three, is there three or three or four? Three, three big books, four. Four big books. And, you know, the first half of the first book, I was like, why am I reading this? This is, you know, it's just strange stuff, mythical world, you know. But halfway through the first book, like, I'm hooked. I'm starting to see gospel pictures in it. You know, it's a really kind of captivating story. Second book, third book, fourth book. And, man, we get to the end of that fourth book in that last chapter. And I'm telling you, Andrew Peterson did, I mean, man, incredible job. All of a sudden, things from the entire series that I didn't really understand why they were there, those all converged in one glorious chapter and exploded in this picture this picture of the atoning work of jesus and when it did i'm telling you guys man i wept and and the the girls were like dad are you okay and i'm like yeah i just can't i can't keep reading do you guys see this do you see it do you see it do you see it's jesus and i can't tell you how many times we've gone back to that and said do you see who jesus is you see what he does that's what he does so i do think that's true. I can think of other movies and music and times where something just grips you. The Holy Spirit grips you to magnify Jesus. And in the magnifying of Jesus, you don't want sin. That's, really, that's, that's how it's defeated. You don't want it. Will it ever be defeated? Will sin ever be defeated in your life by your, your massive self-control? You're like, wow, that's really fun and I'd really like to do it, but... I'm not going to. I'm going to cheat. It'll never, never, ever. You'll, you'll not win that way. You'll get weak and you'll do it over and over again. You'll fall into it. The only way you're going to win is by the Holy Spirit giving you such a picture of Jesus that you're captivated. And you don't want sin anymore. You feel no obligation to sin. Call all you want. I'm not answering. So, here's my last attempt. We're just kind of, we're circling. This, this sermon is a, you know how you get stuck sometimes, you can't land, and the guy just like drop, flies around the airport? That's what we're doing, okay? So, one last attempt. So, the flesh is going to call. What's it going to call for? It wants control of your members. How, how, how do I know that? By members, I don't mean like members, I mean your body, your body. Remember Romans 6? Remember this verse in verse 13, Romans six thirteen. Do not present your members, hands, tongue, mind, stomach, body, feet, okay? Don't present your body to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So how does this work? You have a conflict. Somebody hurts you. You feel disrespected. You feel dishonored, you feel embarrassed, you feel slighted, you feel insulted, whatever, right? Happens all the time, conflict, okay? What is, what is flesh? Is, does flesh ever not see that? 
Does your unredeemed humanness ever not see? He like wasn't paying attention. He's watching ESPN. Didn't know. Man, all of a sudden, phone starts ringing in your head, doesn't it? It's flesh. What's, it, what's he say? You do not deserve that. How dare those people? How dare that person? How dare your spouse? How dare your kid? How, you, I'll tell you what, you, you don't deserve that at all. You need to, and then he's going to offer you something. Go pout in self-pity. You know, lash back in anger. Ball up your fists and knock them to the ground. You know, all kind of, right? He, he, flesh is going to give you all kinds of sinful choices. What do you need to do? First of all, you need to recognize, hey, that dude's been calling your whole life and never once has he ever blessed you. What else do you need to realize? The Bible says very clearly, you go down that path, you're headed to death, corruption. Things aren't going to get better, they're going to get worse. What else do you need to realize? There's power in the Holy Spirit. What, is, what does the Spirit say about this situation? Oh, man, that's everywhere in the Bible. Let's just go somewhere close. How about Romans 12? Ready? Repay no one evil for evil. This is verse 17. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Verse 18, if possible, so far it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. It's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Um, verse 20, to, hit, to the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For so by so doing, you'll heat burning coals on his head. Verse 21, don't be overcome by evil, be overcome. I mean, it's everywhere, right? What's the Spirit saying? Trust me. Trust me. Be like Jesus, who from the cross said, Father, forgive them. They don't, not, they don't do it. They don't know what they do. Trust me. Trust that that's life. And then choose life. How about... Um, how about you're frustrated? That happens a lot, doesn't it? You're annoyed, right? What's flesh going to do? By the way, be careful. There's certain situations you got to be careful of. One is, one is when you're irritated, annoyed, and frustrated. You know what's happening? Sin is calling. Like, like I think whenever we're annoyed and, 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 and in an annoying situation, I think sin sets up a telemarketing center, okay? And it just starts hitting us. Ding, 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 you know? Call, 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 call. It wants control of our whole body. You know, it wants you to pout, it wants you to huff, it wants you to stomp around, it wants you to do all kinds of stuff to show your disgust with all the idiots that God has put around you. What do you need to do? Man, you need to see that coming. You need to realize that's death, right? The flesh has never once led you to life. He's not going to this time. You need to go to the Word of God, go to the exalting of Jesus, Bearing with one another, Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against anyone, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. There it is. The exaltation of Jesus as God has forgiven you. Maybe you feel empty. Lonely. That's another one of those situations you've got to be careful. Whenever you are feeling empty and lonely, the flesh is going to be calling. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to have all kinds of ways for you to fill that hole in your soul. It's going to ask for permission, take over the hands, so you go to the refrigerator, get the ice cream now. No, 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 not the half carton, get the whole one <laughs> and eat it all. Fill yourself up. It's going to want the remote. It's going to say, hey, flip through here. There's something sensual that will 
make you feel a little bit alive. It's going to call. It's going to call. What do you got to do? You got to know. That leads to death every time. Every time. Corruption. It's a lie. What's truth? Well, how about Philippians 4, 19? And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Turn to the Spirit. This way is life. So it's life. It's hard, but it's life. Man, I'm telling you, guys, this is the fight. This is the battle. Listen, if you're here this morning and none of this resonates, I'm not saying you haven't been listening. I think you, you probably have real closely. And if none of it resonates, here's, what, here's what's true. You don't have the Spirit. You're not in a battle because your flesh is just ruling your life. And the Bible would say this. You are headed straight for eternal death. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. One of the guys in the last service, he walked by and shook my hand and he said, why did he say? He said, um, he said, he said, I know the flesh is going to call. And he said, I know there's going to be times where I answer it. But he said, I also know that Jesus answers 911. You know? So yeah, that's probably true. He does. Let's pray. God, help us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to yield ourselves to your spirit, to yield our members to the control of your spirit. Father, that we might be sanctified, that we might become like your son. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a relentless passion to kill the sin that dwells within us. God, I pray, Father, that you would help us to see it for what it is, see that we don't owe it anything. Lord, help us not to even give it any room in our lives. Jesus, show us your glory. Captivate us with your greatness. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.